You're listening to Johnson & Boone Solicitors Podcast exclusively on The Pod Station. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Johnson & Boone Podcast. My name's Mark. Uh, I am your host. Joined with me this week is another member of the Johnson & Boone team making his podcast debut. Uh, it's Mark Johnson. How are you doing, Mark? Yeah, Mark, I'm not too bad yourself. Not too bad. Did you draw the short straw this week and have to spend an evening with me? Uh, you could put it that way. I mean, I think everyone else has done while I'm last, I think. Uh, was that by choice or by design? We're going to say choice. <laughs> well, um, just quickly before I run through some of the uh, the usual information for people in where they can listen to the show, uh, what topic are we going to be covering today? Uh, today we're going to cover tenancy deposit claims and the statutory penalty that, that can arise from that. For the benefit of those people who might be listening for the first time, uh, this isn't the first episode. This is actually episode 15, I think, if my math serves me right, and it hasn't done so far in life. Um, if you want to listen to any of the other shows, and the other shows cover uh, landlord topics, they cover commercial disputes, they cover what to do uh, in order to get your business up and running again uh, on the back of the COVID-19 uh, pandemic crisis, They've covered um, wills, they've covered issues with divorce and family. So that is a whole host of topics that we've gone through. And each episode is designed to give you a bit of an insight into that area. So if it's of relevance to you, if it's of use to you, maybe you don't even realise that it is. You can listen and hopefully you'll pick up a few pointers or a few tips or you'll identify something that might actually prompt you to get in touch with Johnson & Boone to get some advice at the right time, which probably will save you money in the long run, uh, because ident- ideally prevention is better than uh, cure, as uh, unfortunately we're finding out as yeah, on the exactly. back of uh, on the back of this uh, pandemic crisis. So, if you do want to listen to the show, you can go to johnsonandboon.co.uk. On the website, you will find a podcast tab that will take you to a list of all the shows. You'll also find on there links to all of the major podcast platforms where you can also find the show. And in addition to which, you can actually subscribe. If you subscribe, what it means is that every time the latest episode drops, it will download automatically onto the device that you use to listen to your show. So you don't have to go searching and trying to keep up to date. It will do it for you. Um, If that's not easy enough, then Johnson & Boone are one of the rare solicitors who has their own mobile app which is free to download both on Apple and Android app stores. Now on there, aside from the fact that you can actually find all of these episodes and listen to them directly through the app, there's also a whole host of other functionality that comes with it. So you can find out all about their services. You can book an appointment with the likes of Mark and any other person in the team based upon their area of expertise. Uh, you can also log into the uh, Legal Guard product, which, which is a membership scheme that Johnson & Boone also offer. Uh, it is well worth checking out, both for individuals and for businesses, which for a very low monthly amount gives you a whole host of legal benefits. So yes, definitely go and check that out. Uh, right, I think I've done all of that. Oh, uh, I suppose I should also say that you can check us out on social media as well. 
uh, Johnson and Boone. We're on uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, if you want to ask us any questions on the back of these topics, if you want to uh, suggest a topic, if you want to just get in touch, then you can DM us on any of those platforms or you can email info at johnsonandboone.co.uk. Wow, I've done all the hard graft now, Mark, so it's now up to you to uh, lay out your expertise. So you've mentioned the tenant deposit process or tenant deposit as an area. Um, I, I guess let's start from the beginning for the benefit of those who aren't necessarily familiar but again, it might apply to what is a, a tenancy deposit? Um, so basically a deposit is money that's held by a landlord or, or their agent. Um, it's intended to hold a security and it is used to discharge the tenant of any liabilities. So that could be rent arrears or damage. Now, I say this with air quotes, which of course on a podcast is completely pointless. Uh, but in the good old days, the deposit was just simply handed to a landlord and quite often that was the end of it, really. <laughs> you didn't yeah. see it again. Uh, how was it managed these days? Since 2012, once the landlord takes the deposit, they have to put it in one of the three government schemes, um, one them being my deposits, uh, the Deposit Protection Scheme, or DPS for short, Tenancy Deposit Scheme, TDS for short, um, they have to do that within 30 days of receipt. If they don't do that, then a, a statutory penalty falls due. Um, this is protect parties. So if there's any dispute at the end of a tenancy, tenancy scheme itself acts as a independent arbitrator. So if there is any dispute, they will look at all the facts and determine an award on how much goes to the tenant or how much goes to the landlord. So is that the purpose of the scheme? It, it kind of creates a framework which governs what a landlord has to do with the deposit when it's received, where it's kept, what happens if there's a dispute? Yeah, it's for protection, really. Say you pay the money theoretically to a landlord and then they spend it. It's a security that you know where the money is. It can't be touched by anyone. It's protection for both parties, really. Okay, and what are the obligations then for a landlord? As in, what are the steps that need to be followed during the course? That You mentioned the 30-day period. Uh, is there anything else? They have to protect it in one of the schemes within 30 days. They have to provide prescribed information as well as protecting the, the deposit. That, again, has to be done within 30 days. So that will be the landlord's details and contact details, the tenant's contact details and the property address, and where the scheme in which the deposit is protected. If they haven't provided the prescribed information, there can be a claim for that also, but it's very difficult to run. Okay, so you mentioned a penalty. What what kind of penalty is there for so, either not protecting it in the right period of time or not serving the prescribed information in the right period of time? The tenant can claim up to between one and three times their deposit amount. So for argument's sake, if the deposit's £500, they can claim up to £1,500. One deposit doesn't also just mean there's one penalty. Um, if they move into multiple tenancy agreements or they go into a rolling contract, which we call a periodic tenancy, again, if they hadn't been protected for the, within the 30 days, they can claim another uh, penalty, which again would be between one and three times the deposit. For every tenancy that they enter into, so for example, if you have a one-year tenancy agreement and you want to renew it because you want to stay in the house, so you enter into a second one, that process needs to be done 
a second time at the beginning of that tenancy agreement. Yeah, so they'll get a further 30 days from the date of the new contract. Again, if they don't comply again, a second breach occurs and so forth. And when you say between one and three times of the deposit amount, do they get the deposit back in addition to that one to three times or is that included within that calculation? So, say for argument's sake, the, the landlord has protected the deposit, but they've protected it, not within the 30 days, but they've protected it, say, three months later. If the deposit isn't within the scheme, we wouldn't claim it back solely before the penalty because the scheme, again, would arbitrate your, your deposit for you. But if you were, if your deposit has never been protected, then that would also arise as part of the claim. So, again, as a simple example, if your deposit £500, your claim would be between £1,000 and £2,000. And how does the court determine where within that bracket you fall? Um, obviously, the court look at all circumstances, whether it's a first-time landlord or if they're a professional landlord. Obviously, on the professional landlords, they take a more harsher view. But generally, it's usually between one and two times your deposit is the penalty they give. But uh, the the legislation itself states they must award between one and three times. Where you fall within that bracket depends on your experience, your knowledge, whether you flagrantly decided to ignore the rules, whether yeah. you should have known about them, all those sorts of things. I guess what we're saying here is that landlords, because Johnson & Boone act for both landlords and tenants, so this isn't a this isn't particularly pitching your flag in any particular area. No, no. What you're essentially saying to landlords is you need to be aware of this, this legislation, this rule, um, in order to avoid these pitfalls. And yeah. you're saying to tenants... If you find yourself in a situation where these things haven't happened, then you are entitled to get some recompense because ultimately you're exposed. You, the money yeah. that you've given in good faith could now potentially go missing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, sometimes it's no one's fault. Sometimes there are landlords that just aren't just aren't aware of the change in the legislation and maybe haven't got managing agents or are dealing with everything themselves and they're not aware of it. But unfortunately, they still fall within the category of the penalty. It's a strict liability claim. Um, so either your deposit's been protected correctly or it hasn't. Um, and there's no getting away from the penalty, unfortunately. Check out award-winning Johnson & Boone Solicitor's unique product, Legal Guard. Ideal for businesses and individuals. Legal Guard ensures you get the legal help you need when you need it. Packages start from just £24 a month and include free expert advice, access to a library of legal documents, as well as exclusive discounts on a range of services. For more information, visit johnsonandboon.co.uk forward slash legal guard and quote the code THECHESH. Is there something that you can do? You've just mentioned there about the courts looking at the circumstances as a whole to determine where within that bracket they fall. I guess there is a benefit to landlords, even if they are found to have broken the rules or are now aware of having broken the rules, to get some advice from the likes of Johnson & Boone in order to, to mitigate that factor. Mm -hmm. So, as you say, they can't avoid it but they can at least put things in place to show goodwill to the court that they took the right action when they were became aware of it. Yeah, definitely. The sooner they can act upon it, the better, really. As we explained earlier, they can roll into further breaches, which you don't really want, which obviously becomes more costly. 
And if you can show that you are trying to mitigate it, the court will, albeit they'll, they'll still make an award against you, but they will obviously take that into consideration when assessing what award should be, what should be granted. Now, as far as tenants go, uh, if they do believe that there is some sort of a breach, uh, what, what's the process? How, how do they start that process? How long do they have? So the limitation on them is six years. They get six years from the date of the breach. If it was in, say it was the 1st of June, they couldn't make their claim till the 1st of July. Um, and then they get six years from that date to make to make their claim. If you visit all three websites, you can put in your details and search whether your deposit's been protected. They will then come back with a search and say, yes, it's been protected or no, it hasn't been. Um, and if it hasn't been, then obviously we'd recommend that you contact ourselves at Johnson & Boone and then we could run the claim for you and talk you through the process. We will stick the links to those websites in the show notes in case you do want to check that out. But that that can can you guys help if... Yeah, I mean, obviously, if they don't feel comfortable doing it themselves, um, again, if they get in contact with us, put through an inquiry, we will do the searches for them. There's no obligations to take us on, on with on that, but we can advise you whether it's been protected or not. And then we'll talk you through how we can move it forward for them and their chances and the valuation of their claim. And do the tenants need to have any other information to hand that you will need to move the case forward? Ideally, we ask for proof of deposit, whether they pay cash, um, if they got a receipt, can they show the withdrawal from their bank? Was it paid by cheque or if they got the stub? Or ideally, is it paid by bank transfer? Have you still got the transfer for it? It doesn't necessarily have to go to the landlord. It can go be a payment to the agent. They will act on behalf of the landlord. So as soon as they've received it, it's classed as the landlord being in receipt of it also. And then also, ideally, a copy of the tenancy agreement so we can check all the details and make sure they are correct. Does it cost them anything? We run the claims as a no-win, no-fee. Um, all we retain is the 25% plus VAT. So, uh, again, as a layman's terms on it, if the claim settles for £1,000, the tenant would receive 700 and we'd retain 300 We incur all the fees. So you just if we have to go to court, we will incur the court fees, the issue fee and the barrister's fees, um, and then that's all claimed back from the landlord. How long does one of these cases usually take? Each case, case is assessed on its merits and they differentiate on it. Generally, to, it usually depends on how cooperative the landlord wishes to be. Um, initially, a letter to claim, the landlord gets a, a 21 day to respond to it. Um, and then we look to issue court proceedings. So, obviously, it, claim, it could settle day one, it could settle day. 21. If it has to go to court, it does take a bit longer. And obviously, given the current COVID-19 situation, the courts are quite a bit slower than they normally are. So approximately up to about nine months. The landlord's still not cooperative. It can take a little bit longer if enforcement has to come in for your judgments, etc. Um, but approximately roughly about nine months. The world is rarely black and white. And because it isn't, it's worth raising this as a question. Uh, we mentioned before that sometimes landlords might not have legitimately made those mistakes. They, they might not have realised that they've made those mistakes. What happens if they've made a genuine mistake and it's with a tenant who actually owes them rent, for example, or has caused a lot of damage to the property? Does that get taken off the deposit amount or do they have to sort of counter claim against them? Because it's a strict liability claim, your deposit's been protected or it's not. 
Now, there are, there are a lot of instances where the landlord has, as you say, there's rent arrears or there's damage. It'd be a case of the landlord would have to make a claim against the tenants. Is there ever a time when it's disputed with these types of cases? I know you've said it's quite a clear situation where it's either a breach or not, but what happens if somebody disputes that there's a breach? What 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 kind of information do tenants potentially need to keep some, to keep safe in order to or to collate to help you do that process? Common argument is no deposit was paid, it was advance rent. Now it's quite difficult to prove that it wasn't a deposit or it is an advance rent. So the tenant would need to keep a log of all their payments that they've made, all their rent payments, and almost like a rent book or a spreadsheet or however they keep they collate their information and have a show that it's an excess of £500 or whatever your deposit amount is. And usually, nine times out of ten, the landlord will have refunded you something. Um, so then obviously they're discharging their own liability. So the argument is then it surely can't be advanced rent, it must be a deposit. We would suggest that the land tenants keep at least keep a record of what they've paid. If they pay cash, always get a receipt. They pay bank transfers, always keep a note of it. Anything that they can provide to help their claim will always be beneficial to them. Do you ever get a... I did give them these documents. I did protect it. So certainly in the case of like serving the prescribed information, they've protected it with the scheme. They say, the landlord says, I, I did serve this information. The tenant says, no, they didn't. Where do you go from there? Because it's a bit difficult yeah, to prove. Yeah, so obviously it? if they suggest it has been, we are, we request a copy of the certificate or the certificate number. We'll then pass that on to the client or to the tenant. We ask them to make further inquiries with the scheme, who they say protected. If you've got your deposit number, you'll ask them to you'll contact them by email or by phone. They'll do the search for you to see whether it has been. And if there's anything wrong with the, say it's been protected late, or there's some details wrong. We ask the tenant to ask the scheme to email them a copy of it, and we will then return to the landlord and say, unfortunately, you you haven't done it correctly, so the penalty still applies. If it has been correctly protected, then unfortunately, we wouldn't proceed with the claim. If people want to get in touch, because there's probably a lot of nuances to it, nothing's ever as straightforward as it sounds, is it? Um, he says as he's shaking his head. Um, yeah. <laughs> How can people get in touch, whether it be a landlord who wants to check out whether they've created a, a a liability for themselves or what they can do to at least mitigate it, or a tenant if they feel that they they are legible to make a claim? How can they get in touch with you guys? Yeah, so there's several ways to contact us. Firstly, they can go via our website, which is www.johnsonandboone.co.uk. Um, you can make a free inquiry from there, or you can email us at info at johnsonandboone.co.uk or there's our social media platforms so Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and also you can download our free app or you can contact us on 0151 67 2034 either myself or one of my colleagues will then also help you. So those are all the ways in which you can get in touch. As we mentioned before, if you want to listen to any of the previous shows, you can go on the website, you can download the app, you can check them on the major podcast platforms. Um, do you know what topic we're going to be covering next week? Um, I'm not too sure. We haven't fully decided yet, so I think it's going to be more of a surprise pick. Oh, how exciting. Watch out for next week to see what it is that uh, we're going to be covering as a, a topic. There might even be an announcement on social media just to give you the heads up. 
Right, well, Mark, thank you very much for joining us today. That's been fascinating. No, that's great. Thanks for having me. All right, cheers, mate. No, that's great. Thank you very much. Get social at Johnson & Boone on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter.